Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hello everyone. Uh, you know what, let's do some updates real quick. Why not start this off on a happy note? Uh, you'll understand why I say that later. Well, the Fallout 76 beta happened this weekend. I was not a part of it, but two of my friends were. I was watching them play it. I have to say, kind of happy with what I saw. According to them, they're really enjoying it, and I can see why. It seemed to just be like Fallout 3, Fallout 4, adventuring around, gathering supplies, surviving, and apparently there's a banjo you can play, so I'm pretty much sold on it. If I could play a banjo, I will spend my entire time on that game playing the banjo. My one concern is still, which I think other people have expressed, is what are we going to do without NPC merchants and quest givers like that? It just seems like, for now, the world is just you either working with or fighting against other players and just fighting against, you know, NPC enemies, but nothing with the way of settlements or merchants, none of that kind of stuff. Though, it did seem that there were events, like my one friend came across an event of a ghoul hunt, and apparently everyone in the area was going to be involved in said event, probably, like, killing a certain number of ghouls or whatever. So, so I'm interested to see where it goes, but I'm not, you know, there, there was some concern both on my end, I think just in the general public, when they first released of what the game was going to be like. And I think they have something solid with the beta to kind of show that uh, we we got we know what we're doing, we got some ideas thrown around, stuff like that. So I'm eager to see where it goes. All right. Now from there, let's kind of get into uh, something. Hmm. So I think how to put this. A little uh, worrisome, maybe. Not scary, but like concerning in games we have a lot of genres we can play around with and one of the genres is horror and there's different ways of going around doing horror whether it be just jump scares psychological whatever you want to call it there there's horror out there in various games and sticking with our D&D theme that can definitely be shown in D&D when handled properly and here's what I mean recently I got back into playing Darkest Dungeons it's been a very long time since I've played it but this past this whole weekend, I've just been playing a shit ton of it, getting back into it. And that game is horrifying in ways of, obviously, the setting, but more a line of who's going to die. You got your party, you're heading out, and you know, for every run, even if you're well-prepared, there is that chance that someone could die. Sometimes it's RNG, it just fucking hates you. It's usually RNG fucking hating, hating you, but still, there could just be things that happen that's like, God damn it, like, the, the stress is just getting, and you're not thinking straight, hell, I just lost someone during a dungeon, it was a long, it was a lengthy dungeon, and I mistakenly didn't bring torches, and so the one guy got stressed out very quickly from the darkness, and then refused healing, and then died because, you know, he ran out of health. It's stressful. You know, I think good horror brings on stress that that's what good horror is to me like psychologically speaking yeah it, that's what it's all about i enjoy horror that gets into my mind i don't like jump scares not as like i i'm afraid of them i don't like jump scares i think they're bad horror right they they have their use yes but if the genre focuses on jump scares and cheap horror like that to spook people i'm not a fan of it. things that get into your mind and stress you out i think that's what real horror is because when you're stressed out, it's your stress because you're not knowing what's going on. You know there are things out there, and you know death could be around any corner, and you just don't know how to handle it at the moment. 
and then the panic sets in, and you know things escalate from there. It builds up. You're trying to kick in fight or flight, trying to survive. Heck, I did a party wipe against one boss because it, things went south. I accidentally didn't set camp before I walked into the boss room because I didn't think they'd be there. And, well, my party wiped, and I'm like, I'm trying to salvage this. Things are starting to fall apart. One person died, and another person's about to die, and I'm just kind of, like, panicking, and I'm stressed out, and I'm afraid of what's going to happen, but I'm like, I need to do this. Now, a lot of times, these kind of games, because just being games, can stress you out, and it could be a negative impact where when you're done playing the game, you're just pissed off. That's Darkest Dungeon for me. Just getting really angry with what just happened and trying to think, you know, trying not to restart, rage quit, punch the wall, whatever. Like, trying to deal with the fact of what happened because the, the fear got to me and stressed me out. With D&D, handling that is different. In Darkest Dungeon, you're running with a party of people that you're controlling they can die. You can recruit new people. It sucks to do that because usually you have someone that's been alive since the beginning and they've been doing very well and they had good stats, whatever. They can always get replaced, even if it's not what you want to do. In D&D, there is no replacement. Every player has their character, and should that character die, with the exception of a couple high-level spells and possibly the GM doing godly intervention, when you die, you die. So how do you produce horror in that setting, the kind that will get to people, stress them out, make them worry, make them generally afraid for what's about to happen. It is a challenge because real horror, again, like the psychological bit, that whole idea of stress and not knowing what's around every corner, part of that is knowing that you could die and that out there there's an equal match for you and you don't know what to do about it. So Darkest Dungeon simply does it with the array of different type of enemies you can fight in the different areas and the bosses that are also pretty powerful. You build a team to have a good shot at that. In D&D, the players already have their characters, and you're creating, as a GM, a world for them. So how do you go about scaring the shit out of them and making them worry and making them panic and really getting into their minds, getting them afraid of what's going on without fully going out and killing them or just seeming like it was in bad taste, like this person died, it just, you know, it was a bad roll to die. Well, it's finding a way to properly create an equal challenge for the players in terms of NPCs. I tried it once already with the rogue in my campaign that has made a deal with a demon, and it didn't work out simply because roles. And I wasn't going to, like, fight it. I wanted the roles to just kind of let it drive it a little bit and kind of react to what was going on because I thought the rogue was playing kind of smart in what he was doing and he was blending, like they were in a city and he was really blending into a crowd to stalk this assassin. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to roll with it. Even if the assassin can't spot him and I'm not going to fudge rolls, I'm not going to do that. I want to see how this happens. And if generally she can't spot him simply because of rolls because he's playing smart, I'm just going to let that happen even though she's a trained assassin and normally she'd be able to spot him. So before... They could even get into the whole chasing thing. That he pretty much downed her in one shot and was able to incapacitate her and then interrogate her and find out information. So there was no concern really there. Like he was worried at first going into it because he's like, "Oh, there's an assassin out there I have to deal with." But once he noticed that he had the upper hand, that was it. the The fear was gone because he knew he could blend into the crowd better than her and got the jump on her and blasted her in the ass, literally because he's a gnome. He's a halfling. Sorry, he's a halfling and she's an elf. So that half height. And hit her with a wand of magic missiles, full, you know, all the charges. That was it. It was done. No fear there. So I tried it again, but I went about it a different way. 
I've been telling, I told the story before of the monk, Shin, who got banished to the abyss. But I never got into the details of what all happened while he was in the abyss. I talked about kind of the after effects and what happened to the rest of the party, yes. But I never got into Shin's adventure in the abyss. Now, he's still there because we haven't had a chance to wrap it up yet, which I'm fine with because I had to get the other half of his party moving forward in the story because, like, they're trying to run parallel. So I did a lot of stuff with Shin first. Then we took a breather for a minute, and I think it was needed. When he first got there, obviously, he was chained down. Demons around him. They were, like, poking and prodding him with various tools. You know, things like that. Because for the most part, the demons in my campaign down in the abyss, they mostly deal with just tortured dead souls and other demonic entities. Rarely do they have, like, an actual living being not from their plane there. So they were kind of curious. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit, go past the dialogue, everything that happened and some of the circumstances that fell in front of him. And just get to what it is I created to push that fear on him. So the first challenge he had to deal with was running through a maze that was guarded by a minotaur and two hellhounds. He fell into the domain of the Prince of Beasts, a demonic king. And his first challenge was, yeah, here, okay, he just dropped him into a maze and said, go. And the minotaur saw him and said, hey, I'm going to give you five seconds to run. So Shin ran, and now the minotaur and these two hellhounds are chasing him. Now he's a monk, and monks are pretty fast. They have passive increases to their speed and other abilities that let them run faster. And I think uh, he's a half-elf. Does that impact? That that does not impact his speed. No, it's just being a monk. However, the Hellhounds are just a little faster than him. And the, if the Minotaur goes full charge, it obviously could catch up to him. So I, I just had this elaborate maze I was making up on the fly because I didn't want to... You can't, you can't really plan out a labyrinth very easily. So I was doing a lot of just random traps and stuff like that as he was moving along. And he told me when we were done that, yeah, he was, like, he felt a lot of pressure, and he was really concerned, because he was in a labyrinth, he had no idea what was going on, and he knew that there were three things out there that, if he faced, could kill him. Now, he encountered the Hellhounds here and there, but only one-on-one, so he was able to, he almost killed one of the Hellhounds, the other one he did some decent damage to. He was able to handle a fight with them toe-to-toe, but not extended. He had to eventually run from them to kill stay alive because they have a, they do some pretty good damage and he was only so like there was no one else he could rely on it was just him any mistake he made that was it it was his mistake to bear nothing could be done of it yeah that was that and the few times he ran into the minotaur he just said fuck it and ran the other way i used the idea of these big creatures not in the intention for him to fight them but the intention to show that there are things out there that are your equal and stronger to put the pressure on him of saying, like, you have to think about what you're doing. So, yeah, when the Minotaur popped up, the Hellhounds were nearby, but he knew the Hellhounds could catch up to him pretty easily if he stopped. And he also knew that an extended combat with the Minotaur wouldn't do – he wouldn't do well. He could take a round or two with the Minotaur to wound it, weaken it, whatever, and then keep going. But it wasn't going to work in his favor. So I kept putting that pressure on him. Every now and then ran when the Minotaur showed up. Until at one point, he came across a wooden bridge across a pit. And he actually decided to light the bridge on fire. Now, it didn't do anything to the Hellhounds. They were fast. They could jump. And, you know, they like fire. And it was it was weakening him a little bit because he had to run through the smoke at one point. But he felt good. He's like, yeah, I hindered myself but he, a little bit. But he felt good because he knew the Minotaur was behind him. And now the Minotaur got stopped. It couldn't make the jump. And he felt good for it. He's like, you know what? I feel, you know, I'm, he's like, okay, I got a breathing room. Yeah, there's kind of some smoke in the labyrinth now in this one area, and I had to kind of get away from it so I can breathe. And there's still two hellhounds, but I'm one guy down. He felt better. He wasn't as afraid, 
because he knew he had some time. Now, the Minotaur obviously knows the labyrinth inside and out and would eventually hunt him down, but he had some breathing room. Not a lot, but still some breathing room. So he got through the maze. He got out of it, and he reached the next challenge, and this is when things got really fun. So he was still a little, like, panicky, but he felt good because he knew he beat the labyrinth, and he saw that when he reached the door to the end of the labyrinth, the Minotaur and the Hellhound stopped chasing him. They just kind of left him, like, that was that. Their, their job is done. They didn't catch him, so they're not going to pursue. So he felt good. He felt some sigh of relief. And that right there is another good element of this kind of horror, is that when you overcome something that you've been so afraid of, so concerned about, and stressing out about, there's that relief when you finally overcome it. And in Darkest Dungeon, if you beat a boss, especially if the boss causes a team wipe, or at least kills one to be able the first time you face it and you run away you feel a sense of relief going back and taking care of it because you kind of, you at least at that point, you knew the stakes, you knew what you were getting into, and now you're making up for it. But for Shin, it, there was no makeup. Like, there was no if he died, he could try again. It was the one-off. So it was a lot more rewarding that he was able to overcome the challenge of the labyrinth in these circumstances of having to rely on himself and use his quit, quick wit sorry, to pull it off. Then the fear set back in when he noticed he had to do combat. Not running, not chasing, nothing. One-on-one combat with a null. And the null I slightly modified, obviously, to give it a shot to fight him. And he overcomes. I wouldn't say easily, but he he did fairly well for the circumstance. And he overcame the combat. And he was he told me that he was stressed, but he felt okay. Compared to the the fear of the labyrinth, he knew what he was up against. It was like, okay, it's a null. It's wearing full plate. It has some weapons. However, the room I'm in also has, like, there was weapons everywhere. He was allowed to arm himself before the combat. And during the fight, he was able to grab weapons from weapon racks and stuff like that and continue to arm himself in combat, like throwing stars, stabs, other monk-style weapons. So he was never unarmed. And right there made him feel better about life. He knew the situation. He knew there was something he could rely on. And he knew that there was no unknown factor. And that's something that's really big when it comes to horror and fear and trying to make players worry about what they're doing is what's the unknown. There was unknown unknown in this fight. Obviously, the null was something he never faced before, and he didn't know if, like, I added any special abilities to the null or whatever. At that point, I didn't. So he was a little cautious and taking his time because he knew the null was stronger. So, he again, he was using his speed and his monk abilities to an advantage to keep that upper hand and to keep, you know, dodging attacks and stuff like that. So he wasn't too worried. He felt good, but he wasn't, like, panicking. The panic set in after that. After he beat those two challenges, he had a chance to talk with the Demon King again, who met him outside and said, hey, look, here's my forest. This is my domain. Over there is a lake. If you make it to the lake, you know, you're f- that's the end of my domain. Let's see what happens. Like, see if you can reach it. And if you reach it, let's see what we'll, what we'll do from there. That essentially was the deal. It's like, you get there, then we'll talk. We'll see what happens. This guy's interested in sport, this demon. He's kind of interested in some sport. So Sanchez, my friend, obviously agreed. And he was ready to set off to confront that challenge. However, before he could set off the null he just faced, I decided to actually make more of an imposing character. He did not kill the null at the end of the combat. He simply just took some of the weapons that he could use. There was a, 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 a glaive there that he's going to start practicing with to utilize. And, you know, a bow. And he assumed there were some magic items. So, like, he, he took what he could, assuming they were magical, to see what they could do. And 
you know, I'm giving it to him. So that Noel came back and now has a name, Kadesh, and headbutts him saying, hey, you should have killed me. Headbutts Shin off the mountain that they're on back down into the forest and then starts the hunt. Essentially summons a bunch of other Knolls in the forest to that location to start hunting down this monk. And right there, even though, like, you know, he started to regret it. Like, he was regretting, ah, I knew I should have killed him. I knew I should have taken him out, yada, 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 yada. The fear set right back in. He knew Kadesh, the Knoll. He knew what the Knoll was capable of and knew that going toe-to-toe would be a challenge. However, he could overcome it if needed. The fear came in the fact that he's in an area that he does not know, in the middle of the forest, a location that he's not used to by himself, and he knows, because he witnessed it, like he saw them coming towards him through the bushes after hiding, that there is a giant pack of angry, hungry gnolls now hunting him down, led by this Kadesh character who he knows is pretty smart. Every time he moved through the forest, I could tell he was very concerned with everything he was doing. And he expressed it to me also after like every time, you know, we were in, we did this for about three sessions for a couple hours each time moving through the forest. He expressed every single time his worry. He was like, yeah, he's like, I'm afraid that every time I make a step, something's going to go wrong. And right there, the fear was instilled back in him. I didn't make this a horrific landscape. Honestly, I told him it looks like any other force that you would encounter in the real world. The difference being the sky is blood red. That is the only difference. Otherwise, it feels just like a natural setting. There are animals. There's lakes. There's rivers. It looks like a forest of a normal type in a different setting. So I wasn't scaring him with that. It was just simply the idea of not knowing what could happen any moment. He didn't know were there traps set out for him, were they actively hunt like were they somehow on mounted animals, like what what was going on? And so every time he did things, he was like, "I'm sneaking." I am like he took his time. He said, "Look, I am going to go at a slow pace to ensure that I'm always aware, to ensure that I'm always hidden, or at least attempting to, and not be out in the open." And he didn't do any foraging until he found somewhere that he could possibly camp out. And he's like, okay, this seems like a decent place to hide out. I haven't seen anything recently. Let me do some foraging, then go back and hide. It even got so bad. At one point, he found this little cave. And when he got, went down to the cave, he found a shrine. And there was a door behind the shrine. It was trapped. And when he, he didn't notice the trap at first. And when he went to open the door, these arrows shot out, but he was able to dodge them. And he's like, you know what? It seems like people don't want me in here. I'm going to leave. It wasn't, I don't know if it was a state of fear or not, but he's like, I'm not going to bother with this. I'm backing out. I'm getting the hell out of here because I, I don't know where those gnolls are. I don't know if this is for the gnolls. I don't know if they're going to find me here. Again, it was the I don't know and using that to make a valid decision for his character because there's, no there's no take back. If he walks into that temple and something goes south, well, that's that. He's either stuck in there, he has to fight something, or the gnolls corner him. Like Shit goes south and he has to deal with it. So I wasn't trying to use the temple with the arrow and the shrine in there to try and, like, make him worried to go in there. It was just adding another element of possible exploration that seems natural, but given the setting of knowing someone's out there that is your equal and is capable of taking you down, given the circumstance, he decided to go away. He decided to leave and continue marching forward to try and find his way out, to try and get to the lake. And it's around that time that I decided to spring another unknown on him. The idea of horror, when you're facing like a single character, a single creature in a game, 
The horror starts to go away when you know the creature's weakness, when you know what you can do to stop it. Yes, there still be some concern when going toe-to-toe with it because you know what it's capable of. But if you know what you can do to stop it, you're not as worried. You'll still be a little stressed if something goes wrong. You're like, you know what? I know what to do. I know how to salvage this. So when Shin left that temple, Kadesh got the jump on him, and they started combat. It was just one-on-one. Kadesh's pride made him run ahead and want to take this monk out himself without the backup of his hunting party. That comes later. So, of course, Shin's all like, all right, fine, let's go. Like, he was like, fine, you know, I didn't kill you the first time. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to take you down this time. He was ready for this fight because he's done it before. Because he he didn't see the rest of the hunting party, he kind of let that escape his mind for a moment to just worry about what was in front of him and know that he could handle it. So the fear was going away. The dread and the concern of what might happen was gone because now he had something tangible. He had something that he knew he could handle in front of him. So that's why I decided to spring something on him. Yeah, he didn't know about this. He, he wasn't able to tell until later through some perception and looking at Kadesh and stuff like that. But what I decided to do is this null... I made I gave it barbarian classes, so it's a it has character classes. A seventh level barbarian, he's a seventh level monk, and then I made some tweaks to it to really prove the point of what this demonic creature is all about. It might be a barbarian, but I'm allow, I'm giving it the access to demonic plate, which is a a full plate set of magic armor, but still allowing him to use all his barbarian features even though he's wearing full armor. And the reason why I did that is in the past, you know, we'll take the assassin that the rogue had to take out before. I've made characters with creatures with character classes of the same level, but the characters can usually have the upper hand in some way. Mostly the fact that they're just actual players. They're not a GM just trying to make a game, which is like what NPCs are. They have some sort of advantage. The players will always have some sort of advantage. So I decided to negate that advantage by giving the null full plate. And the reason why, on top of that, the monk, if you've never played a monk or you've never had to run a game with a monk, Monks are pretty good at punching things. So if the knoll did not have that full plate, the monk would have easily been able to punch and take this knoll down. And that's usually how combat works. That's usually why you have four players fight like ten monsters. Yes, the monsters can do some decent damage. However, the monsters usually have a relatively average AC that if the player rolls at least average, like a nine or a ten on a d20, they'll hit. Even below average with certain classes can still land a hit. So I wanted Kadesh, I wanted this Null to be able to stand up to this monk who had, like, a plus eight at the time to his attack or something like that. So, yeah, I'm like, you're a barbarian, so you get your dex and your wisdom for the barbarian feature to add to your AC, and you're in full place. So he has, like, 23 AC or something like that. Yeah, Shin can still hit him, but now Shin has to roll high because Kadesh has some decent modifiers himself, but the monk has a high base AC. So now they're equals in the sense of both their ACs are high, but they both have high rolls to their attack. Each blow they take matters. It matters what the what the decision is they make to get the damage in, and what decision they make to not leave themselves open. Because I modified combat that was more reaction based than turn based to kind of give it a little more of a dance, a little more flow. Because it's mono mono. So when I did this, and it, I said that like, oh, you look at Kadesh for a moment, and you notice his eyes are blood red, and he is like snarling like a beast and grinning and stuff like that. And Shin was just like, shit. He decided to do a quick strike to incapacitate Kadesh and slow him down a little bit, and then booked it. Because he noticed 
wait, there was something else I don't know yet. And then I told him, like, oh, you hear some rustling in the trees. And he's like, shit, the scouting party's going back. Right there, the fear hit him again. He just, he just realized that what he thought he knew, that this Kadesh character, this Noel, was just a trained warrior, is something much more. There's much more that goes into him than just meets the eye. He doesn't know he's a barbarian. He just knows that there's something going on in there. So he's like, shit, now i got to run. And then right there, when that happened, for the rest of the time that he was in the forest, that fear was back the entire time. He knew everything could be his end. Even if he fought Kadesh one-on-one again, he's like, I don't think I can overtake him now. I want to. I want to kick this guy out. I want to get him off my back. I'm tired of being afraid and having him hunt me down, but I don't know if I can do it. And that is another great element to this psychological horror. It's, you know the thing, you know what it's capable of, but you can't beat it, or you don't think you can beat it. And it's, I'm not trying to make it where I'm forcing Shin to give up hope. I'm just making it where he thinks out every minor detail of what it takes to face this creature. Because standard fights in D&D, and even standard fights just in most games, it's mostly just... You know, it's generic enemies, or it's a generic setting, or it's just something that you're used to, so you're not too concerned with what you're doing. So when you leave that element in there of, yes, you know what's going on, and because you know what's going on, you know the stakes are stacked, like, sorry, the odds are stacked against you? It can instill some bit of despair and a sense of giving up, which is why you got to put that light at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, yeah, you get to that lake. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen until you get there, but he knew something out there gave him hope. And that is what you need to combat fear. If you instill fear and despair into your characters, but without a sense of hope or a sense of something that could happen, immediately it's going to backfire on you and they're not going to want to keep playing. They're going to just give up because, like, well, there's no point. Like, there's, I don't know what I'm aiming for. I just know something's out there that can kill me. So what's the point? With Shin, yeah, he knew Kadesh was out there. He knew the hunting party was out there. He encountered some of the gnolls without Kadesh and was able to take them on. Not easily, but he was able to take them down and then keep running before others could come and find him. But he knew that every time he did that, they would be closer and closer to him because every time, every minute he spent not running was another minute they had to catch up to him and a minute that Kadesh had to find him once again. So keeping that beacon of hope at the end kept him moving, kept his spirits, maybe not high, but in a decent place that he at least would keep fighting to get there. Now, if I remember correctly, he only had that one encounter with Kadesh that went south for him. He got away with, like, one or two HP. Really close for him, but he got away, just barely. Kadesh did find him once again in a different location, but was using it instead to spring a trap, and Shin's like, you know what, fuck, I'm just going to keep running. He knew that, yeah, standing here, even though the gnolls were weak, he could probably punch all the gnolls to death pretty easily, he wasn't going to do the fight. He wa- he just kept running. And at that point, once that event happened, he was in full-on sprint mode because he had a feeling, due to some information I gave him earlier from an NPC that was actually nice to him, he knew the end was near. And so after he cleared this giant clearing in the forest where Kadesh spung the strap, he just kept running without stopping and just booked it for the lake. And this is kind of where it peaks, this this idea of, a conclusion to the horror peaked. The NPC that helped him out gave him a little information saying that Kadesh was the last true null, the true, like, last true demonically infused null, hyena hybrid, whatever it is you want to call it. 
you know, whatever you want to call it, a null, call it. But he was the last true form of it from the initial day of the Knolls. And that's why he was so ferocious. And he's like, you know, talking to this NPC. Shin was like, yeah, I remember like seeing something in his eyes, like his eyes were bloodshot and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yep, yep, that's it. That's that demonic spirit coming out. So now Shin once again knew what he was dealing with. He knew what the eyes meant. Like he knew if, if Kadesh had bloodshot eyes, he knew what that meant. And he was going to work with it. He reached the lake and without bogging down with too much story detail, he reached the lake and had to encounter Kadesh for the final time at the lake. Kadesh sprung forth without his hunting party because the barbarian has ways to increase their speed to actually not say who's my pick barbarian and not monk is the barbarian had a little more strength in a monk class and it with certain class features it could actually keep up with a monk who used wind walk which really scared shin by the way because shin's like oh just use step of the wind and run away and i'm like okay kadesh tackles you. he's like what do you mean i'm like he's caught up to you so at that point when he reached the lake and he knew that this is where he had to be to make the deal with the demon prince and then kadesh springs forth by himself shin was just like fuck it you know, he told me, you know, the player himself told me, he's like, look, I know this is the end. Like, either I live or I die. And at this point, I just have to try. And I think that is, that is where fear hits its tipping point. The player is no longer afraid of the truth. Most fear and most horror games that build off the atmosphere deal with, deal with that fear of unknown. And like I said before, that fear of unknown and eventually overcoming it and knowing what you're dealing with helps diminish the scare. Now you know what you can do. You can overcome it. For him, he knew he reached the goal. He wasn't sure what was going to happen at that goal because I didn't tell him what was going to happen. Usually you find out, like, yeah, if you get the MacGuffin, you can banish the darkness, you win. And then the player's like, okay, I got the MacGuffin. I know I can do this. And we'll just press forward to win with the MacGuffin. With Shin, he knew the lake was the goal, but he didn't know what it would do for him. He just knew he had to get there. And now that he was at the lake and he wasn't sure what to do next, he just knew that it was either live or die. Something was going to happen here and he had to do it. So even though he knew fighting Kadesh at this point, who was completely blood rage berserking and his full strength, his full potential, he's like, hey, I just, I just need to do this. I just need to fight him and deal with this situation. And so he did. He fought. He went toe-to-toe with Kadesh, who could easily have overpowered him. His stats are higher. He has access to more weapons because he's, bar- he's not a monk. He has full plate. He has bonuses to his attacks that Shin does not have access to. He has a bigger health pool because he has bigger hit die than a monk does being a barbarian. And Shin's just like, you know what? I'm not afraid. And I think that's the, the best thing can happen when you're dealing with horror. You reach a point that you're no longer afraid of the truth. And it's the best feeling. Yeah, you know you could die. And, you know, in Darkest Dungeon, at this point, I know there's a good chance people are going to start dying because I'm getting further in the game and things are getting hard. I know I'm going to lose people, but I'm going to keep going. Because I know that truth, and I know I can keep going and persevere through it and see what the ending happens. For Shin, yeah, he knows if he dies, that's the end of the player in the game. He has to make a new character. He's out of the campaign. And yeah, we can make a new character. I don't want to, which is why I'm not big on like fully outright killing my players, especially this far in when we're like a third of the way through the campaign. But he knows that why run? I reached my goal and I understand that Kadesh could kill me. 
I understand what he's capable of, and I understand that running is doing nothing for me. And no longer being afraid of the truth is a scary thing in its own, because since you know you could die, as the character knows the character could die, but doing it anyway... That takes a lot of guts, and I think it shows a lot of growth as a player and as a character in the game itself. Overcoming that idea of like, yeah, this happens, it happens, but I'm not, I just don't want to be scared of it. And it, it accomplished, like at that point, I felt that I accomplished my goal for Shin. Making a concern of everything that was going to happen, but knowing that if he was going to get out of here, he was going to have to just fight, and he's going to have to just deal with the fact that he could end up dying trying to find his salvation. And so in the end, he did not kill Kadesh. A few things, you know, some certain things happened, and he was able to get out of the forest. But Kadesh is still alive. He doesn't know where Kadesh is. He doesn't know if Kadesh continued hunting him, because after he got out of the forest, he was in the normal, like, abyss. You know, like, the general area where no demon specifically rules over. Other things have been happening, yada, yada, yada. Again, I won't go into too much detail. But yeah, Kadesh is still out there. So he knows at any point this could happen again. Kadesh could just show back up to deal with him to even the score of trying to kill him, but he's not worried about it. Even when he noticed that he wasn't going to get out of the abyss, just getting out of the forest did not mean getting out of the abyss. And when he fully knew that and fully understood that fact, he was like, look, I'm just going to keep going because I don't know how to get out of here. So I'm just going to keep moving forward. Whatever happens, happens. Currently, he's in the middle of a, a war between two factions of demons, and I'm going to give him the opportunity to get out of it and get back to his normal plane of existence but yeah, he's like he told me after this other demon queen started to kind of play around with him he's like yeah i'm like he got mad he's like i'm done with these these demons toying around with me i'm not worried about what they're gonna do i'm not afraid what they're gonna do i'm done with them i'm going to do what i have to do to get out of here and it feels good and at that point i knew since the fear was no longer going to work against him i'm going to give him the opportunity to get out of here he, he came full circle and that's kind of was my goal interacting with all these demons is coming full circle and knowing that Living in fear is not going to do anything for you. You just have to get through. So I'm like, now he has the opportunity to get out. I'm going to be giving it to him. I'm going to move forward with that. And I'm no longer going to play the fear card. I'm going to play the known, the truth, that known element. Like, he knows that if this happens, what is capable of it. So he's no longer afraid of it. He's just like, we just got to deal with this. And it feels good. It feels good because I've been in those situations before. Like, I've played Call of Cthulhu RPG. Like, I've played that tabletop pen and paper it can get really messed up. I've played other horror games. Like, I like Dead Space. I think Dead Space 1 was a pretty good horror game. Slash survival game. It feels good overcoming that element of fear and knowing that this is just the truth. Like, I still panic a little bit, especially in Dead Space 1, even though I've beaten it multiple times. I still panic when I have to fight the hunter because I know the hunter's capable of killing me pretty easily and cannot be killed unless you incinerate it with the jet engines of a spaceship. Chapter 10, everybody. Good chapter. And that way I enjoy it more because I know the element. It still spooks me a little bit. I'm still a little afraid. But since I know what's going on, I enjoy it more. And I think that's what's happening to Shin and the player playing Shin. I think that's what's happening to him is that, yeah, he might be lost in the abyss for now, but he knows what's at stake. He knows what's going on. He knows what he can do about it and just letting it happen and just rolling with it and saying, hey, if I die at this point, I, I die. But it's not in the sense of giving up. It's not that element I talked about last week where the player just kind of gives in and says there's no point. He knows there's a point, and he knows that getting to it could be fatal. 
He's overcome the fear. That's it. That's all. That's all I wanted to talk about. That's all I think we can do with D and D with these players that have created a character in this game. Because like, you know, when you play Dragon Age and other games and other RPGs, video games that you make your character, you can respawn. You know, ninety nine percent of them you can respawn and just keep playing. And there's yeah, there's a penalty maybe for dying, and it could feel bad and it could take more time. But you still have your character in D and D. When you die, you die. Your character's gone. And you can use that to your advantage to make some really spooky horror. And it's not an eerie setting or ghosts or, you know, the traditional horror tropes. It's the fact of the reality that this character, the player has fully embodied, can die. And there's nothing you can do about it. Others might be able to save you after your death, but the odds are very low. So right there, playing, leaning on that. And making it feasible, making it doable, instills a lot of fear. Going through that abyss, he went through a lot of stages of coping with anxiety and dread and, dread and this fear of death. At first, it was just hopelessness. He was like, look, I'm just in the abyss. I don't know what's going on. If I walk this way, I don't die. So he followed the demon prince the first time. He's like, if I walk this way, it seems I won't die. So I'm going to go that way. When he was stuck in the labyrinth, it was full-on just... Fear for his goddamn life. I don't know where I am. I don't know why I'm here. All I know is that there's these three things chasing me that could kill me easily. And I don't know my way out of here. And then when he fought Kadesh for the first time one-on-one at the end of the labyrinth, the fear is kind of gone because, okay, this is my natural element. Fighting people, I know how to do that. I can handle that. So he wasn't as afraid. Throw in the new element of a new setting and knowing that you're outnumbered, reinstill the fear in him. He says... I cannot fight all of them. I have to run. And now there's a man on the run, and he knows that anything he does could end badly for him and end in his death. It reinstills that fear. It's kind of a repeating cycle of now that we have a new unknown element, and he gets out of his... He had a comfort zone, and that the comfort zone has been changed. He's no longer comfortable in it. He's afraid once again. He gets an element that he's used to, Kadesh, the fight, new elements add in and that's what fear is it's adding in these new elements that seem natural I didn't do anything crazy with Kadesh I just showed that Kadesh has this rage inside him that he now has from losing a fight against Shin and now Shin's like fuck that's what he can do to me even though I had the leg up I had to run away because reinforcements were coming and now he knows once again okay the hunt is on again and I know that fighting him is going to be my death right now and I know there's a way to get out of here the fear is back. Knowing that what the end is and that you can lose it, you, be, you get feared once again. You get, you're afraid. Reaching the end and reaching what he had to do and realizing that there could be more, he's not sure what's going on, that's when the fear breaks. That's when the cycle ends. That's how you can break a character out of that fear. You can instill the fear by adding in those unknowns, especially if it's solo and they have no one else. That's like a big thing. Like That isolation can really help. You can still do it in a party, but I've only done it with an isolated person so far. Once the cycle is over and you're done introducing these natural new elements to stuff that they understand, like you don't want to introduce something completely new. You want to change something they know, the, the setting, the way they fight, you know, Kadesh himself being modified. He reaches the end, and now it's, I don't know how to win. I just know I can. We'll break the cycle. The player knows, okay, they're at the location they have to be, or they have the item that they know they need to use, and that's that. I'm just going to stand my ground here to see 
if I can get out of this because there's no more leads. And that's when the player can break out of their fear. When they have no more leads, they know they have fallen, followed up on the last lead that can lead to salvation. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a fake out. It wasn't like he reached the lake and absolutely nothing happened. I did something that showed him that, yes, you made the right decision. And you want to do that. The player needs to the MacGuffin and the MacGuffin isn't working. Don't just make it a dead lead and say, oh, well, you got tricked. Because that just instills you know, hopelessness and the player just wants to give up. No, I didn't instill that hopelessness. I showed that, yeah, you're at the right place. Something could happen. Kadesh is very excited that you're here. So, yeah, something's about to happen. He broke out of fear, and he was ready to face the music. He was ready to either overcome and win or die. He wouldn't be happy that he died. I think he'd be at peace knowing that he was no longer afraid. He knew that at that point he had to make a call, and his decision was his own. There was nothing else anyone else was doing, doing things to him to make him decide. He wasn't being chased anymore. He wasn't forced to be on the move. He didn't have to scavenge for food and supplies. He wasn't worried about the thunderstorm and he was getting, you know, he was getting sick. Fear is when you don't know what's going on. You don't have control over it. Overcoming fear is knowing that at this moment, I can take control of the situation and do what I want to do with it. That's the one thing I want you to take out of the rambling I did. If you're trying to make a D&D campaign to scare your players, don't make it a constant theme because eventually they're either going to give up hope or they're going to be, what's what I'm looking for, uh, desensitized to it. Because they'd be like, eh, you know, I'm always trying to get spooked or there's always this, this fatal thing going on. You know, it'll lose its touch. Just do it once, maybe twice at the player, you know, after some time. To reinstill that idea, you know, I talked about it the previous week. To reinstill that idea of, like, something can go wrong. And keep, you know, play it out a bit. Good horror lasts. That's why I don't like jump scares. I feel good horror lasts. And it's not just a one-off thing. Like, he was, he's still in the abyss. He's been in there for about three or four sessions. You know, a couple hours at a time. He's still be in there. He's still in there trying to survive. And I built up the fear that way to the point that he was able to break through and overcome it and say, look, I'm just doing what I'm going to do right now, and that's that I do not care what anyone else says. He didn't give up hope. He was just ready to face his fears and overcome it. And it feels good as a player, and it feels good as a GM. So try it out sometime. Give your players that shot of someone is your equal, or they're a little stronger, and you're not sure what to do, and they're a constant threat, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to figure out how to get there. So I wish you luck on that. And until next time when I figure out what to do and actually have a coherent thought, because I feel like this week was a little uncoherent with our ramblings. Granted, I just got home from a long trip visiting a friend, and we're about to play D&D soon right now, so my mind's on that. I'm just a little, got a little all over the place. But I want to talk about it. I, it. It was fun. I really wanted to share that story with everyone and hope that it makes sense. Again, if you're listening to what I have to say and it seems like incoherent ramblings, let me know. I could definitely change how I talk. I can definitely change my methods for doing this. I just need to know. Just, just hit me up. All right? For now, take care, everybody.